Blog Talk Radio. having me on to show on the show. I'm very excited. Oh, well we appreciate you today. And today we both are in for a treat because we have Tori Hargrove with us and from USA Today and it's going to be a as usual stimulating conversation that's S T E M for Science, Technology, Education and Math. As you all know, Technology Expresso, we're always about promoting STEM, um, educating people, enlightening people, and I myself will be enlightened today because I'm really excited to find out more about what Tori does, how he got into that field, and what the future of that industry is. So, Don, would you help me out, and would you read to us uh, Tori's bio? Sure. Um, hello, Tori. And just a little bit about you. We see that you are an award-winning user experience designer who develops interactive applications that make the world a better place. Tori leads a team of digital designers, developers, and producers in the creation of interactive journalism products for, US, for USA Today. And it also states that when he's not working, he is sleeping, Tori. Is that true? Yeah, that sounds right. I did a little bit of that a few hours ago. So, yeah, I think that sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, welcome, Tori. Um, glad to have you on the show. And we're going to let you kind of expand and elaborate on that uh, because, like I said, this is going to definitely be a learning experience for me um, and, and so, and I'm sure it's going to also enlighten our listeners. And the beautiful part is, you know, we do talk a lot about STEM, which is science, technology, education, and math. But there's also, I mean, technology is woven in so many different aspects. So we're going to focus on how USA Today and, and your career. So just wherever you want to start, take us back. How did you even get, you know, find yourself where you are today? Well, uh, first off, thank you uh, guys for having me today. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk to you. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, like a lot of people in life, you uh, you start out with uh, sometimes a goal in mind and other times, you know, just uh, 
you know, a, a set of principles to live your life by, and you never quite know where you might end up. Um, so I started off, I was born and raised in a rural Mississippi, literally born by the river, and uh, the Mississippi River in a small town in southwest Mississippi. And uh, we're not, not as far from technology as you can probably get in the civilized world. Uh, I grew up on a farm uh, with my grandmother, uh, who had a, a, a relatively, you know, a, a modest uh, farm that, you know, she had enough to feed her and her 11 kids and a lot of the neighbors uh, when they were growing up. Um, my parents were growing up. Um, but I started off there. I lived there for, for 10 or 12 years, and then we moved to a smaller town, uh, a little larger town, uh, not far from there, uh, from Warren, Mississippi, to Port Gibson, Mississippi. And from there, went to college at Alcorn State University, HBCU, uh, best known for uh, being the um, alma mater of uh, former quarterback Steve McNair and also um, a couple of uh, names that people would know. Michael Clark Duncan uh, was an alumni uh, of Alcorn State University as the actor, uh, as well as Megger Evers, the civil rights leader, uh, along with Alex Haley, uh, the author of Roots. Um, and uh, like Megger Evers, I attended the School of Business there at Alcorn State University and uh, had a good time there, uh, great education. I have a lot of people there who I respect and admire. And from there, I kind of found myself going through various media outlets. I started off with at an uh, NPR station, NPR radio station, uh, that my college ran. I was there for four years uh, before I got the opportunity to work uh, at the Orlando Sentinel, uh, the largest newspaper in Orlando, Florida, uh, Mickey Mouse's backyard, so that was cool. Uh, for a little over a year and a half, and then I got the call to to come up to USA Today, and I've been uh, a producer and manager there uh, for going on a little over five years, almost six years now. Thank you, and, and great shout-outs, and uh, you're among some very distinguished alumni, so thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. And so um, did you know in college this is what you wanted to do, or – uh, how did that, that evolve? Did you have a, a certain passion that you pursued? Well, that's a very good question. And, uh, you know, the way I, I look back on my career path and the way things kind of got me here, and I see in that path an opportunity for a lot of young men and women today because uh, the answer is I really did, you know, I did what I liked. And uh, my parents, uh, while certainly not of the greatest means my father made, uh, I think the third best decision in his life, uh, besides uh, A, marrying my mother, and B, giving us a strong spiritual foundation, uh, the third best decision he made was buying us a computer uh, when I was uh, a freshman in high school. And, um, you know, he just thought it was something important that his kids should have access to. He had no clue how to use it himself, but he thought it was something that uh, should be in the home. And very quickly, uh, as, as a mind of a child works or a young person works, you spend time on this device, this new device that everyone's talking about, and you want to know how that thing works. And so I can remember uh, the first time I ever right-clicked on a, on a web page and saw there was a little uh, option that said view source where you could actually see the code behind a web page. And I remember reading that and being thrilled and, and just totally fascinated by this language that was underlying uh, the pictures and words and text that I was seeing on the screen. And so in short order, just through a lot of experimentation, saving the files and tearing things apart, putting them back together, I quickly um, got pretty good at doing web design. And so when I got to college, uh, that pretty much kept going. I linked up with a roommate of mine, uh, Desmond Stewart, who's now one of the IT directors at Alcorn State University. Uh, we were roommates, and we hooked up, and Desmond was already an uh, entrepreneur. 
in his own right, uh, putting computers together and selling them to uh, his classmates when we first started at Alcorn. And so uh, he brought a real strong technology set, completely self-taught, just like myself. Uh, Web development classes aren't something that was being taught even in colleges at the time. Um, but we kind of just ripped off each other and continued to learn and continued to grow. And uh, we turned that uh, passion for technology into a business, uh, Next Verge Digital Media, which was a small consultancy we ran when we were both in college. And our largest clients uh, included Alcorn State University. Uh, we redesigned the website for Alcorn State University while we were still students there. And they kept that site for about five years. And so it was a great opportunity to just be hands-on with technology. And like I said, we were completely self-taught. And I simply make that connection to what's going on now because I really strongly believe that uh, education is in the midst of being disrupted, uh, that in 10 years, you know, the best education you can get in the world will not be at Harvard University. Instead, it will be right in front of your computer screen uh, with a certified credential uh, from, from top instructors uh, who can vouch for your uh, technological skill set. And so what we were starting to do there, just to indulge our passions and try and get mastery over what we enjoyed uh, will be something I think that many people will follow in the future and may be a way for people who find themselves uh, disadvantaged uh, to really uh, come up. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, and so many so many key messages um, woven into what you, you just said. And, and first of all, like you said, kudos to your father. Uh, sometimes even if they've never had it in their generation, and that's the same thing, with us, we've got to look forward to what the job market and skills are going to be required for the youth coming up and prepare them for that, whether we understand it or not. And, and your father had that, that forethought and planted that seed. And then it sounds like even in college you had that entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, so, again, and, and hooked up with a great roommate, uh, and you both are doing great things. So, you know, people need to understand it. And, and what you said is, is very powerful, that everything you're, you're going to need for the future isn't going to necessarily be in the classroom and laid out for you. Um, it's about being trailblazers at, like you and your, your roommate were. So, um, so, so important and so much the theme of what we're often um, talking about here at uh, Technology Expresso. And, and I've, I've, got, I've got another question. Actually, my, my um, partner in crime, David, he is here. He's working the background uh, today. Um, but he had a follow-up question. Then, um, Don, I'll throw it over to you so you can ask uh, one of your questions. But David's question was, what, was your, what, what exactly was your college major, and, and, um, and how have you applied and used it today? So like a lot of college kids, I kind of, you know, went around a bit uh, before I settled on something firm. Uh, when I first got to Alcorn, Alcorn State University is a huge uh, campus, sprawling campus, uh, acres and acres of land that was set aside by uh, the Mississippi government for freedmen and sharecroppers to teach them how to farm. That, that was the genesis uh, of the college uh, in the mid-1800s, around 1865. And so because of that legacy, they had a strong foundation in agriculture. Uh, agricultural sciences. In fact, to this day, uh, the USDA and other agricultural uh, companies uh, recruit heavily from that school. So I got drafted into that life for a while. I got a scholarship uh, to uh, full scholarship to Alcorn, but also an additional one to study agriculture. Um, and I started off there because, like I said, I grew up on a farm. I think there's something uh, really almost spiritual about seeing uh, things grow, seeing people uh, cultivate something, and watching the, at that effort. Uh, be put into a thing that, um, that that's beyond your control to uh, to grow and, and, and improve. 
Um, so I did that for a while, and I think uh, I told a friend recently, I think it was the uh, class that was coming up the following semester where I have to castrate live pigs. I think that kind of sent me in a different direction. <laughs> I didn't quite want to uh, do that uh, anymore when I really got I didn't want to be hands-on uh, in the truest sense of the word uh, with, with farm animals. So uh, and looking around at the other options, um, I really, uh, you know, like our mass communications department, um, our psychology department was something I was interested in for a while, our education department, uh, like a lot of HBCUs, that's cool, turns out a ton of teachers every year. But what I finally settled on was business um, because uh, my mother, uh, who had majored in business uh, when she was in the same college, um, pretty much put it to me this way. Uh, she said, if you major in business and you get a sense of what, you know, how to make money and how to operate a business, uh, what you want to do in terms of a field can be anything. If you decide you want to go into aerospace, if you decide you want to go into biology, if you decide you want to go into uh, any other field, a business will be a way for you to uh, have a, a way in in that uh, world. And, you know, there was a risk in that, and she was the first to admit it. And especially in those days, you know, business management is a very uh, vague uh, career. You can do anything from manage a, a department store to uh, you know, work at Goldman Sachs, and, and that spread between those two careers is pretty significant and not always guaranteed where on the spectrum you will fall. Um, however, uh, in looking at, you know, the underlying principle of what she had to say, I thought she was right. You know, knowing how money is made, why money needs to be made, and the structure uh, by which, you know, our culture and country um, has set up uh, structures to make that money uh, was something that I thought was good to know. Uh, far far from being the most important thing in life, but just a skill that was important to have. So I did major in business uh, there with a lot of uh, classes in uh, mass communication and a couple of technology classes thrown in. That, that, is, that is funny. And you got us over here chuckling. Um, you know, sometimes going into college, that the first major, that's just to show you what you don't want to do. So I guess the castrating the pig, that, that was that you drew the line there. So kudos I to I drew that. the line, yeah. <laughs> so it's steered you in a different direction, and we're happy for that. Because um, I don't know if we would be on the show talking about castrating pigs at this point in time. Um, probably but, not. Um, probably not. <laughs> and, and then the second thing, great advice that your your mom gave, and you you listened because you know David, being a father, we, we we're chuckling. You know, parents give great advice. Kids sometimes you just gotta listen. They know what they're talking about, and it'll, it'll all pan out later on. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, the young people, they have to hear it from someone else. So, you know, thank you for, for sharing that and, you know, winning out, going to business, and uh, uh, then from there you, you mature and, and identify what other things are available to you. Um, but, but, Dawn, I don't, I don't want to hog all this time. Is, is there a question you have at this time? Yes, um, I'm, I'm interested in uh, learning more about actually what the interactive products are that um, you create for um, the USA Today. I know you say that you uh, have covered sports, entertainment, investigations, as well as presidential politics, so I just wanted to learn a little bit more about what that is actually. Okay, that's a very good question. Um, so uh, the way to think about it is, um, you know, with, with what technology allows us to do, you know, even allowing, you know, us to have this conversation right now, uh, it, with what technology allows, 
um, journalism traditionally has been uh, uh, a, an act of about three mediums, radio, television, and newspapers, traditionally. So you would go to school. Uh, you would learn how to speak with people. You'd learn how to ask questions. you learn uh, ethics. And then you would apply that uh, learning into one of those mediums. And what's happened, of course, over the last 20 years with, with the advent of the Internet and now with uh, mobile devices and with touch screens is that there are so many more opportunities to reach out and literally touch people and tell stories in new and interesting ways that it has become a discipline in and of itself uh, to uh, tell stories using the power of technology and the Internet. So um, more specifically, the way USA Today is broken down and the way a lot of news stories are broken down is really into these two camps. So you have a technology group that manages uh, our website. So usatoday.com, uh, our, our, our you know, uh, iPhone and iPad apps as well as our Android uh, devices uh, and, and platform apps, uh, those teams, we have a, a large team that manages the presentation of what we call the shell, you know, the platform that powers the journalism that we put out every day, including our content management system. But then on the other side of that, you have the fact that that content management system needs to be filled with interesting content. And so I work on the, clearly on the journalism side of the business, but the products that I help to create are ones that, that lend themselves to storytelling. So a couple of examples of that. Uh, would be about four years ago, uh, my colleague and I, Kim Willis and uh, Jerry Mosmack, uh, invented uh, the American Idol Meter. And this was a tool that uh, we put up on USA Today, and this is a really good case study for, for the kind of work I do. So American Idol was really hot at the time. You know, it's, it's popularity starting to wane a little bit now, but about four years ago it was the hottest thing on television. So USA Today, like everyone else, was covering the show through recaps and, and, and live blog posts uh, of the result shows uh, every night. So that means we had access to the same material that the New York Times or the Journal or any other magazine or a ton of other blogs would have access to. So um, we started to ask ourselves, now, you know, this show is as popular as it is. We have the platform and the voice of USA Today. Why is it that, you know, is, is, there, any, is there anything else we can do beyond just simply recapping the show that could uh, extend what our audiences could get out of our coverage? And so we kind of put our heads together and we realized that uh, our, our, and this is where just uh, listening to people who do great work comes in, our reporter, uh, our music editor, Kim Willis, had, realized, had determined that there were really about three or four factors that went into how well a person performed in American Idol. It was the order by which they sang. It was the category uh, of songs that they chose to sing. It was, of course, the judges' comments about their song choice. And then finally, there were a couple of people out there on the web who were um, uh, trying some other technological uh, means to figure out who kind of had the lead. For example, there was a, uh, I think, a website called Dial Idol, I think. I think that was the name of it. And what they did was um, they would uh, automatically dial the numbers related to the American Idol contestant, and then they would check to see how busy the lines were, how many busy signals they got. And they would use that to determine how many people were calling in uh, for a said person well before the results show. So when you put all those characteristics together, what we actually created was an algorithm and a scoring system uh, that we call the American Idol Meter, which every week would allow you, after the show was done by midnight, we would uh, not only give a numerical score to everyone who had participated, but we would seek to predict who had the momentum going into the results show and who was more likely to come out on top. And so the first year we did it, we predicted um, the winner every week, the winners every week, uh, all the way up through and including uh, the final winner. 
um, and uh, that success continued in successive years. So what we were able to create, if you take a step back from the product itself and, and the engineering of it, what we created was a USA Today piece of content, that American Idol meter, and who was leading on that scoreboard that no one else could really report on. Or if they did, they could be reporting on the USA Today American Idol meter. So we created content that we could then talk about that would give our audience something to rally around that was different from the rest of the competition. And so the coverage was very successful. The tool was very successful. And uh, it was something we kept going for the next, uh, like I said, the next four years until this year when we decided to retire it because of the uh, popularity of other shows, and we're looking to do something similar with those as well. So that's just one example um, of how we would create a, an interactive product on the techno using technology and journalism that would help to extend the business that's a little different from the way you would traditionally think about news coverage. That is, that is truly fascinating. Um, and, and let me ask you, so you um, develop these applications. Are they across all of the, the different platforms? Is that Android, iPhone, tablets? Is, is, is it across all the platforms? So, of course, uh, you know, as we've gotten further down the line, you know, we've, we've had more and more things to develop for. So back in the day when we developed Idlemeter, which was around 2009, I think, uh, there wasn't even an iPad in, and the iPhone was about two years old. So there really wasn't a lot of, uh, of cross-platform cross device creation that needed to happen, so we were primarily created for the web. In fact, the main technology that I was uh, comfortable with when I came to USA Today is I was, I was uh, uh, an ActionScript developer uh, in Flash. So I was still using Flash back in the day because we were still primarily uh, on the language of the platform of the web. But as we've gone on in 2010, we had the iPad come out and iPhone and Google's devices have, you know, gained this major penetration. Um, now the, the applications that we create are all cross-platform. So, so we don't create anything um, that can't be at least viewed and understood uh, on a mobile device. Now, you may not get the full experience, and usually you don't because of screen real estate or, you know, really complex um, uh, engineering that needs to take place on the front end. But uh, we will make sure you have an experience, uh, and we will, um, you know, have something for you uh, when you pull up our applications on uh, your mobile device. So yeah, now they're completely cross-platform. Interesting, interesting. And and for some of our uh, techies out there um, in the job market, what what kind of languages are the developers are using? Well, it's funny, you know, we. <laughs> We, we, the team that I manage, we try and be as, um, you know, open as we can. And, you know, there's been several shifts in, in the journalism industry, especially when it came to these kind of applications as far as the technologies people use. And we try not to, to marry ourselves to any one technology. We try and hire people who are really excited to learn new things so that if we see that there's a particular library or a particular application, that, uh, technological application we want to try and make, we don't have a group of people saying, well, I don't know that. You know, you didn't hire me to do that. So they don't even, uh, you know, look at it. So we kind of moved beyond uh, specific, you know, marrying ourselves to specific technologies and getting people who really enjoy the process of learning. But at the present, right now, um, JavaScript is our primary uh, thing that we, that we work in. Uh, HTML, you know, CSS, and some of the CSS uh, processes, compilers like SAS and LESS and Compass, um, uh, which is just you know ways to make CSS really easy, um, and HTML5 and uh, and uh, and JavaScript is pretty much uh, where we are. There are a ton of other little pieces of libraries that we use. Angular JS, uh, Google just released a library, uh, a new platform called Polymer, 
that we're really excited about. But, you know, we're just, you know, kind of nibbling off from the branches of several different types of technologies. But at the end of the day, you know, if I was going to hire somebody tomorrow, a really strong JavaScript background, a really strong HTML and CSS background would be what they would need. That, that, thank you for that. You know, and, and as you're, you're talking and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, to our listeners, it's, they probably didn't even know this existed within US, uh, USA Today. I mean, the creativity and, and, like I said, you guys are kind of on the bleeding edge and looking for what, what's next. And, and it, you know, it's like very exciting work. Um, and that's one of the things is that with the advent of technology and how it's grown and social media, it's probably totally changed the business of USA Today, which is known as the, the print media. But um, and, and I even wondered, you know, as I prepared for this interview, did your role in job even exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago when we started out, um, you know, we're, we're looking and, and beginning careers and that type of thing. So what is this and can you kind of talk through how it's impacted USA Today internally and maybe some of those changes that created the, the job that you have today, and, and where do you see that going? That's a very good question. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would say I think our department got started around 1994, I think, uh, is when it got started, so almost exactly 20 years ago. Uh, they made their first, USA Today made their first hires in what they call the dot-com, Team, which was this little small team they put up on one of the throwaway floors uh, in Arlington when we had our headquarters there. Um, and it was literally, I think they started off with five people who were just, you know, uh, in, the, in, in the most rudimentary way, just pushing HTML through Notepad, you know, onto a server. Uh, and they couldn't even put no video, you know, no, no audio, um, you know, pictures and text, you know, that you would literally create in an editor and, you know, like Word and throw up online is where they started. And uh, my boss, uh, Jeff Dynes, who is the Vice President of Design for USA Today, started there uh, running the dot-com team. He had come from a 3D animation uh, shop called News in Motion um, that, you know, uh, was at the forefront of technology using TV broadcast. You know, they had this thing we wanted to try and do, and he had dabbled a little bit in the CD-ROM world, so there was some interactivity there. So they were trying to translate that to, uh, to the web. But as you remember from the You've got mail, AOL dial-up days. There wasn't much uh, bandwidth on the web back in 94, 95, 96. So uh, he took me, about a year ago, he took me to uh, a URL that was actually the first uh, animated GIF that USA Today ever published. It was around a tornado. And he was like, dude, you have no idea how excited we were at the time to get that thing online. Uh, it just kind of blew everybody's mind. So they started off with that, uh, with that small group and that small that dot-com staff. And probably for the next 10 years, um, grew that team. And uh, that team grew out to a team of uh, other, you know, designers, developers, uh, you know, people who had been in news page design, you know, flat design, uh, started to kind of come over to, to the web side of things. Also people who were just dabbling in technology and, you know, uh, not really any computer science majors to this day. I think we've only hired a handful, maybe two or three, in the time that I've been there, uh, most of these were self-taught people who enjoyed storytelling, who were curious as to what uh, this thing called the Internet and the web could be. Um, but they went from that team to around 2006, 2007, if I remember correctly. Um, they then merged the USA Today print team, which was still the 
you know, the USA Today Design Team is a, is a very well-respected organization. As, you know, you, you can remember from Back to the Future all the way to, you know, the movie Runaway Bride and uh, even more recently, I believe, um, a couple of, uh, let's see, I think it was Tom Cruise's Oblivion. There's always these little outtakes of the news with uh, uh, not CNN and uh, USA Today being a newspaper that was always thrown in, in film. And that was always because USA Today had this rich design legacy, you know, this rich legacy of graphics and color. Uh, one of the ads from the 80s against uh, the New York Times was USA Today, never gray. You know, a direct stab at the gray lady of the New York Times, which is these rows and rows of, 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 uh, of gray type up against USA Today's really brief, chunky uh, text that, you know, respected your time and tried to get you through content in a very uh, exciting and clear way. And so um, the USA Today design team, this heralded team, uh, merged with this, you know, startup, rambunctious, uh, com design group, and uh, they merged together, and they started learning from each other and building on each other, and of course went through, uh, as any, you know, two departments are merging, they had their rough and tumble, um, you know, time period where, you know, this is how we do things in print, or this is how we do things online, you know, it takes a full day news cycle to get something ready to deliver in print, but, you know, online that stuff can be done instantly, which means you have to work differently, you have to work different hours, you have to, your peak traffic times are different. Um, it, it means a lot of things about the culture that had to change. So they went through those cultural adjustments. And by the time I got there in 2008, uh, we had about uh, – we employed probably close to 35 uh, designers, graphic editors, um, people who worked in the uh, design medium online and print uh, with about 12 specialized in only online. And as we've gone through time, uh, that online team has uh, grown a little bit to include a few more people. Uh, the print side has shrank significantly, um, as has uh, many of our competitors, um, as we've consolidated and, and created smarter ways to um, go after that print content. So we still have print designers that I work with, uh, print graphic artists, but 90% of those guys also have technical skill and are able to translate their work online in some form. So uh, now it's, uh, you know, uh, we, um, my boss manages the entire uh, the entire design infrastructure at USA Today, from the online graphics we just discussed to the print graphics you see every day uh, in your hotel room or uh, on the newsstand still or in uh, your local grocery store or gas station. And um, um, when he's out, uh, I manage that team. But, you know, my primary job is to put them in the best position to succeed every day. So that's what we do. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you so much. And, and again, I'm going to try not to – to hog all the, the questions because um, they, they just keep coming. Don knows my trade business analyst. That's what I do. I come up with questions. But Don, I want to give you a question. You have a question? <laughs> Sorry. Like they really are. <laughs> well, um, I have I have several questions, but one of my questions for you would be, um, do you feel that um, since uh, everyone is, you know, social media um, is the thing of today and there's so many various platforms or types of social media out there that we seem to um, see every day there's something new. Um, do you feel that that has actually opened the door for a lot more jobs within um, the, the news media? Because uh, for me, it appears that, I mean, it, it's almost as though it's changed the way we report news because it's not just 
what's going on, um, you know, as far as maybe there's a fire uh, over at the Walmart. But, I mean, with it being so interactive, people are able to say what's going on right that moment and they're um, uploading it and then you find that these uh, the, the news media is reporting it. And so it just seems that that has allowed to be there has that has opened the door for there to be a lot more jobs than available to people that um, may not have been able to get in before if you just didn't have a degree, say, in communications and in journalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very good observation. Uh, I, I will reframe it a, a little bit though, and, and and break it down into really three parts uh, to answer your question uh, really briefly. So. There's that relationship we have with news. That's part one. That has definitely changed from CNN's I report to uh, being able to, you know, a friend of mine yesterday has a friend who lives in Tel Aviv, and so she's able to see, you know, how they are responding to uh, Israel moving into Gaza in a very firsthand personal way on Facebook. That means she completely routes herself around traditional news media like CNN and USA Today. Uh, and to, to go directly to the source of those people who are having those firsthand experiences and accounts. So, um, you know, that, you know, these, uh, I like to say, acts of journalism can be performed by anyone. So if you have a cell phone with a camera and a video recorder, if you are recording, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, police brutality in, you know, New York or L.A., or you're recording, you know, a house fire on your neighborhood block, or you're recording, you know, a protest, a government protest, you know, here in downtown in D.C., uh, if that's unique and engaging content, then you at that moment have become a journalist. And uh, that content, is because of social media, is accessible to everyone. So, so from our relationship with news, uh, it's definitely changed, and the, uh, the, the cost of knowledge and the expense of devices has come down to the point where anyone can do that. But on the second side, when it comes to turning that then into a career, I would say it's actually a double-edged sword. So while everyone now has the opportunity to, 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 to do these acts of journalism, it's just like photography. So I'll take out, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an amateur photographer. Um, I'll take out my camera. I might shoot a couple of good shots. But does that make me an award-winning Pulitzer Prize, you know, photographer? Absolutely not. What's the difference? Because we have the same equipment and access to the same equipment. Well, the difference is I can't be counted on to produce a good shot every time. See, I'm not an expert, which is what that means. Um, uh, I, I, you can send me out to shoot a building, and I'm going to come back with a building. You shoot out one of my guys who's been doing this for 20 years, he's going to come back with an angle and a perspective that you wouldn't have gotten had you been out there for three days. And that's what a professional does. So in, in this realm, what that means is uh, everyone has the opportunity to contribute, but the, the, what you need to be able to achieve to call yourself a professional, that has actually raised that standard. So you don't need to go to J school. You don't need to go to, you know, be a communications major. But if you're on Twitter, for example, and you call yourself a Twitter expert, but you only have 500 followers, probably not. You know, if you call yourself an expert in YouTube and Vine and your channel has 13 subscribers, probably not. Not to say <laughs> that's not where you would start. <laughs> not to say that's where you wouldn't start because we all start somewhere, as did I, as did some of the uh, most successful uh, journalists in USA Today right now. But what, uh, what I look for and what my colleagues look for when we're hiring, because we, we do hire people for social media jobs, what we're looking for are, is uh, evidence of success, you know, evidence of consistent success. So you have the right attitude and you can translate 
you know, your thoughts in a way that makes people want to retweet, makes people want to share. You know, you didn't just have this one breakout viral video and no one's heard from you in two years. You know, that's, again, an act of uh, journalism or an act of uh, entertainment even, but it's not a consistent uh, thing. And then the last thing I'd say is, you know, while, uh, you know, content proliferates, you know, to, to be in the content business is a great business to be in in terms of opportunity because everyone from Fortune 500 companies down to local mom and pops needs someone to manage their content. Everybody has a blog. Everyone has a Twitter account. If you're anything like a lot of my friends and certainly my parents, you have no idea where to start when it comes to that kind of stuff. So everyone's looking for an expert and expertise when it comes to that type of content. So everyone has a need for, for content to be filled. So that's a great opportunity. However, in this thing we call journalism, uh, we're really uh, – professional journalism and mainstream media is really retrenching because, you know, what you're worth to me as an audience member uh, from an advertising standpoint, even, even a, a, a subscription standpoint, is not nearly what it used to be. So we, we say turning uh, print dollars into digital dimes is really what's been happening. So we have this huge, massive audience now. On USA Today, millions and millions of unique visitors a month, um, uh, far outstripping what our print product ever could do. But advertisers are paying a fraction of the price for that audience than they did back in the print day. So that means we can't fund the type of rapid expansion that you would assume would be required to keep up with these uh, platforms that are coming out today. So our relationship with journalism has changed. Um, the news business has changed as a result of that. But until we find a business model that allows us to really capitalize on these changes, unfortunately, you know, we, don't, we aren't hiring tons of people. Uh, we're hiring some, but not the numbers that I think most people would think because we're still looking for a way to monetize that audience. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. You definitely um, you answered the other question that I had in reference uh, to what you look for in a new hire. Um, but to follow up on that, I'm just curious to know what would you recommend, um, uh, like certain jo job search tips for someone who is interested? Oh, good question. Um, well, it depends on what you're interested in going into. Um, I would tell anyone interested in media, professional media, that technology is the place to start. I mean, the whole reason why I was so looking forward to this conversation was to, to bring up that exact point. Um, you can, like I did, teach yourself or now with the help of these, uh, you know, these MOOCs, these massively open online courses, you can, you know, take Computer Science 101 at Stanford, you know, this fall. I mean, you could do it this summer while you're lounging around, you know, on your summer break. You could literally take a class at Harvard if you're 10 or if you're, you know, 45. And uh, that will put you so far above 90% of the applications we receive uh, that it's not even funny. And so I would tell a person to really, you know, become technologically literate, even if you don't see yourself as a programmer coder, although if you don't, I think you'll be really surprised at how easy it is to get started. But um, be technologically literate. And, uh, and the second most important thing is put a portfolio of your work together. Build it yourself if you can, and publish it and publicize it. Um, I won't hire anyone without a portfolio, even for, even for what might be perceived as like a social media or platform editor job. Um, you must have somewhere where you've co collected and collated your work so that uh, I can go through it and see what you think your best work has been. Now, of course, I'm going to Google you. Of course, I'm going to um, see what you put out there uh, on the web, but I really want to see what you pick as your things that you're most proud of 
And uh, I'm shocked every time I get a resume or an application where someone has not included a portfolio or, you know, only include, you know, their LinkedIn profile with no links to uh, any work that they've done. LinkedIn can be a fine platform. I like it a lot. I use it a lot uh, to recruit myself. But uh, you should really put your work in a place that's visible to people looking to hire you because my first look at your work will perhaps be my last look at your work. So that was the best advice that I think I can give. That is awesome. All great questions, Don, and, and thank you, Tori. And, you know, um, so many points there and that it, it builds upon and reiterates a lot of things that we talk about. Um, and, and something one of our sister organizations, BDPA, does in a lot of their seminars and, and webinars and, um, and their, their training courses is uh, branding yourself. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, um, it's so important. Something else you said, first of all, having that portfolio uh, of your work and then um, also be careful what you post out there or what's posted about you out there because employers and potential employers will look for that. And young people, you know, live for it today, but they don't realize you might be in that job market and yes, your manager is going to Google your name and what's going to pop up. That's, you know, that's a big question. And uh, we, we did um, – a boot camp with them, a professional boot camp, and we did just that. We Googled their name to show them what was coming up. But, you know, and, and I also want to let people make them aware that thanks to technology and social media, that's how we connected. Through Twitter, um, I saw your, you know, your story, your brand, and um, so you see that and how that's even changed um, even things that you're doing with social media from your your brand perspective and, and putting your work out there? Well, you know, for me it's a little different at this stage of my career because, you know, when you're young and you're, you're hungry and you're trying to get into the business, you really want to promote what you've brought to the table and, and the stuff that you've contributed to and that you've helped to develop. You want to prove to someone that you can take something, you can grow, and you can cultivate it. So you're, 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 I used to have a website uh, back when I was really hardcore, you know, in the job hunt called ChooseTory.com, uh, which was my, you know, campaign to get hired by uh, a media company or organization. And I would put a call, you know, collect my work there, would send that to employers, would email that when I would get the email address of the business cards of people that were in a position to help me. But as a manager now, um, my focus has changed. My focus has changed a bit. And what it is now is, you know, I am responsible for right now um, for other uh, people in my, design, in my immediate design team that I immediately manage, and by extension, about another uh, 15, 16 in our larger design organization. And I'm responsible for highlighting their work. So the work that I do right now, even my conversation with you, is to really bring, you know, um, eyeballs and bring, um, you know, people's appreciation to the great work of the team members that I produce. Because now my job as a manager means things have changed. I, I'm no longer out front. You know, my job is to hire good people and to be the water that rises their boats. You know, it's no longer about me. So I think a lot of uh, people who are mid-career make the mistake of that fight and that hunger and that tenacity that they had to make themselves be seen. There comes a point when you turn the spotlight off of yourself and onto others, and that by its very nature uh, glorifies you as well uh, because when, when the water is rising the boats, the water too rises. And so that's what, um, so, so that type of promotion is a little bit different. It means I'm spending time at conferences 
It means I'm encouraging younger journalists and younger, younger developers. I'm introducing people in the STEM field to this thing called journalism, which they have always thought is that building of weird people across campus. I'm telling them that that's something they themselves uh, can find um, joy in and that, you know, when you, when you look at that, that ladder of, of the hierarchy of needs, you know, that people have, you know, that the lowest one is, is food, clothing, and shelter, you know, just the, basis, the basics of life. But that very highest one is self-actualization, that realization that what you're doing every day is actually contributing positively to the world. And uh, a technology person, a person who grew up as, who's a math major or a computer science major, who's looking toward Silicon Valley may not realize that, yes, you can go out and you can create the next, you know, Snapchat or Tinder or sexting app if you want. Uh, that's cool, you know, whatever floats your boat. But you can also contribute to helping people to see uh, what our society is all about and contribute to bringing up positive stories in it. It's also helping them to make sense of the scary things that take place in the world, as we've seen over the last couple of days. So, um, you know, I see myself as a conduit to help people reach their goals at this point. But when I was, you know, young and just getting started, um, you know, you have to stand out from the crowd and you have to let people know um, that you're capable um, of contributing positively to the teams that they're building. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and also, you know, what comes to mind to me that young people um, also have to recognize is, when you talk about the people across campus, the gap between art and science and art and technology is closing because technology is really a very creative space, and I don't think that um, everybody always recognizes it. They think that, you know, technology is just logical and uh, thinking bit and bites and zeros and ones and that type of thing. But look at the creativity in the, the uh, field that you're in and the creating of the apps. And, and, and even you talk about the user experience, the user interface, all of that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of creativity there. Um, so, uh, I, again, we appreciate you being on the show because hopefully those who listen and as we um, continue to push out today's show, uh, because we get a lot of archive listeners, um, that they'll out of this, the, the message, what, you know, you've talked about a couple of key things that you you wanted to touch upon during the show, but that certainly is just opening your mind um, to technology and, and understanding the marriage that technology in, is going to be in every aspect of our world. And who knew, you know, especially at U.S. Today, what a what a creative job and role that that you have there. Um, can you also talk about? And you, you talked about highlighting. Uh, your team, do, do you have any shout-outs or anything that you want to call out that you're particularly proud about? Um, your award winner and, and um, the other projects you talked about already have been very fascinating. And then also talk to us about what's next. Okay, sure. Yeah, I definitely want to shout-out uh, my team members. Uh, first of all, I work for, the I think, the greatest boss anyone can ever be fortunate enough to have, uh, Jeff Dynes, like I said, VP of Design for USA Today, uh, great man. Uh, you know, I consider him a big brother. Uh, he's been a great mentor to me in my career and been really helpful to teach me these ins and outs of design and what it really means to also mentor others, um, people in the arts and technology and how that works. Um, but then to my team, I mean, um, everyone from uh, Chad Palmer, who is our lead uh, engineer right now, a great guy. I started off as a meteorologist with USA Today, of all things. Uh, a meteorologist, and he's now uh, our lead designer, our lead developer, uh, an amazing JavaScript uh, program. And the guy is like a machine, uh, a beast, completely self-taught, uh, been there over 15 years, 
and uh, and really brings great things to the table. Um, next, um, uh, uh, Lee Frampton uh, is uh, my number two. Uh, she's a UX designer on our team. Uh, she ideates with me and helps me to come up. Uh, the two of us come up with interfaces and and products that we think would really, you know, um, be the things to do. Because there's two clear distinctions in technology, and I want your your listeners to really to really hear when I say this. Um, there is the engineering of a thing, which is critical, and we all know it. That's why everyone's pushing STEM and hours of code and. Bloomberg to President Obama to everyone else is talking about, you know, learn how to code. They are absolutely correct, and uh, to be swept up in that engineering revolution is something that will um, uh, increase the, quality, the value of your life if you're looking for a career that's growing and to go into. That we all know. However, there is another very clear path and clear thing that people should also know, and that is the engineering of a thing, the how a thing happens is, is important, but it's not nearly as important as what the thing should be. What do we need to build in the first place, and will people actually use it? So in that sense, the lean startup approach to doing things, the, 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 the taking an idea from idea to testing to audience growth to being something that you can replicate success within is an absolutely exploding field. And those people who are practitioners of that come from business. They come from psychology. They come from design, like user experience design, which is what my field is. Um, they come from all walks of life, and they must be technologically literate, but they must also be able to exist in those other circles that are a part of the product experience. So they need to know something about audience development, know something about business and how your company makes money and how companies make money in general. And how can you bring, match an audience's needs and expectations to a company's needs to create a product that's really going to change the game. And, and, and when we talk about people like Steve Jobs and people like Jeff Bezos, that's really what we're talking about. Those guys are both two good technologists, but the thing that they are known for, and Elon Musk as well, the thing that they're known for is being the ones who say this thing, not that thing. And when you can reach the ability where you have the insight and discipline to be able to say this thing and not that thing, you have become a powerful person. So I don't want to oversell um, um, the engineering because uh, undersell engineering is absolutely critical. It's how you one of the ways you start to gain that knowledge. But it's also important that you understand that uh, deciding what to create and having created stuff something on your own is a way you start to get to that. Uh, will be I think the thing employers will be looking for well into the future when technology is ubiquitous and writing code will be as simple as you talking to your iPhone. Then it becomes who has the best ideas. So I want to absolutely uh, uh, make that point clear. But, you know, um, besides uh, Lee, who, who, you know, we heard talk about this kind of thing, the other person is Mitchell Thorson. He's a front-end developer, another self-taught. Uh, he was a design major, self-taught guy, brilliant, brilliant front-end developer, makes beautiful designs. Um, is another person on our team. And then our larger design team as a whole, Kevin Keppel, Jerry Mose, Mac, Joan Mercy, uh, you know, uh, and a ton of other people whose names I'm going to forget, uh, uh, Janet Lorkey, Tom, uh, 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 not Tom, Frank Pompa, uh, you know, all the people, you know, and all the people who work for us who do research and, and, and graphics, you know, just a really great team that's like a family to me, and uh, I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to, uh, to say that. Absolutely, but, and, and you sound like a, a great manager and a great team player, um, and, and we always know that when something great like this is created, it, it takes a, a team and teamwork. So 
just wanted to, to definitely give you that opportunity to acknowledge them. And, and if you wouldn't, I'm watching our, our time, and we, we filled up 50 minutes already. And um, I wanted just to give you also the opportunity, if people want to reach out or follow up to you, like I said, I connected with you via a Twitter. If you want to provide that information, and um, I've I got to rewind a little bit. And where are you, you uh, calling us from? Where are you based out of? So USA Today is headquartered in uh, McLean, Virginia. So I'm right here in Tyson's Corner, about 15 minutes outside of D.C. So I'm in the D.C. area. Oh, awesome. Like, hey, we like to stop by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anytime, anytime. We're trying to do it. So, we, you know, we could just pop on over and grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> but thanks for taking all the time. Yeah, we're having that virtual cup of coffee but, uh, together today. But um, also, yes, how can people reach out and maybe follow up and, and continue to, to see what's next and, and what new applications you guys are going to come up with? So, um, you know, because, you know, all the work we put out on USA Today, you can literally just go to usatoday.com, search for my name, uh, Tori Hargrove. You can see any of the work um, myself or my team has produced. Um, if you want to contact me directly, uh, the easiest way is I'm active on Twitter. Uh, that's how, like you said, how we hooked up. I also have uh, an open Instagram account, uh, which is Tori Amon, which is my middle name, um, at Tori Amon uh, on uh, Instagram. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, LinkedIn uh, for business inquiries, you know, if you got a portfolio, you want to shoot to me, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty uh, generous about that. Um, always, you know, will give my two cents about how, you know, I can help you if I can. Several people have helped me. Um, in my life, and uh, I want to give that opportunity to others. So that's a, a method as well. Also, too, uh, if you want to just reach out to me through email, my email address is thargrow at usatoday.com. So just shoot me a note, tell me what you're interested in, and uh, and we can go from there. And last thing, I, I don't want to forget a really good friend of mine, uh, a great mentor who is really responsible uh, for a lot of my transition from that country boy who was, you know, planting greens to uh, this guy who's managing a design team uh, in D.C., uh, and that's a former a colleague of mine and even a former college professor by the name of Angela Boykin. Uh, she's been like a second mother to me. I love her a lot. And uh, she's really helped me to, you know, figure out this, uh, you know, this thing we call corporate America that we all can kind of get bogged down in and that can be intimidating and has its own set of rules that may be different from the ones we grew up in. Uh, she has about 30 years of corporate experience and has been able to help me out a lot and uh, figure things out. And I just would be remiss not to, to mention her and how important it is to have a mentor like that who's willing to uh, take you under their wings and, and help calm you down when things aren't quite going right. So just wanted to offer that up to you. No, no, thank you so much. And, and even, even that, that, that's a, a particular nugget. And, and if we had more time, and, and one of the things I want is to continue, if you ever want to kind of bring some team members or whoever to come back and we can continue with the conversation. We really enjoy everything you said, but I was going to point out something you mentioned, the importance of having a mentor and also you willing to give back the people that you're coaching and bringing along, um, you know, the cycle has to continue. And that's part of what technology is here for. We're Technology Express, so we're in the platform so people can connect um, across the, the globe and the world and um, share experiences to help inspire each other um, so, so that, that, you know, to spread that message uh, and people who 
and um, just appreciate all of your openness and your honesty. And uh, I, I know people will, will get something out of, of this conversation today. So, and we're looking forward to, to sharing this uh, over and over. And, and one of the things, Don, I just want to give you an opportunity to give any closing comments or anything that you'd like to say as we yourself. Maybe she she may be putting it all in. Maybe she went somewhere to go ahead and soak it all, all in. But I do want to give a shout out and thank you for being one of our guests on today's show and asking such great questions, provoking uh, questions, and just for her um, out there trying something new. That's something else that we we always encourage people. To do. But um, and last, Tori, um, do you have any closing words for us? No, just want to say thank you guys for the opportunity to uh, to talk to you all today. I definitely will uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. And I appreciate the platform that you that you're trying to create. Uh, STEM is really important uh, to to uh, to our community as well as to uh, you know, just just the community period. You know, to the world that uh, it really is a a way of lifting people out of uh, the circumstances that they may find themselves immediately in and transporting them to uh, to opportunities they may not have known before. So I appreciate what you guys do, and I would just say keep up the good work, and uh, hopefully we'll get to talk again. Absolutely, absolutely. You can count on that. And so with today's show, I just want to say to our audience, please stay in touch. Share today's broadcast. Um, You can find all of our archive shows at www.technologyexpresso.com. Also, very soon we're going to be launching our Technology Expresso app, We've been demoing it out there, so if you've been following us on Facebook or on Twitter, you'll get the link and you can test it out and give us feedback on our applications so you can keep in touch with Technology Expresso and keep up with us. Um, Upcoming in August, we will be broadcasting live at the National BDPA Conference, and so we're very excited about that and bringing to you virtually some of the highlights of that conference. and, and and let me ask you, are you from BDPA? Is there a, a chapter in your area? I'm sure there is. I'm, I'm sure there's a chapter here. There, there are so many organizations that, you know, I have the opportunity to get involved in that, you know, you kind of go through your ebbs and flows of uh, of what's next. So, um, you know, I plan to definitely look into that uh, for later on this year. Absolutely. I'm going to point to see with uh, our leadership we need to have you on and, and maybe have you at some of our uh, future conferences and uh, local areas. I'll, I'll check. I'm going to check out myself, but uh, they definitely need to connect with you because I think that you have a great message to share even there uh, locally among the, the aspiring students. Uh, one of the models of BDPA is from the classroom to the boardroom, so we're reaching back to the younger people. Um, when we go to Nationals in Indianapolis, uh, in the 1st of August, there is a high school computer competition, and these young people are hardcore. So if you're searching for young talent, these kids get early. Uh, and so it's, awesome. it's very exciting. And so hopefully you'll listen to the show and get to hear some of the uh, highlights. Um, uh, and and uh, we'll be broadcasting live throughout that week, and that starts August 4th through the 9th. So, so definitely please. Uh, tap into that and share that with uh, uh, some of your other colleagues as well. But, again, 
for today's show. I just want to remind our listeners also to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. So let this information inspire you. And until next time, again, signing off with Technology Expresso. Have a great weekend. Thank you again, Tori. No problem. Thank you for having me.